Today we'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. It's great to see so many people, despite it being almost Christmas and most people being on holidays. 
Now, we've heard Karen say already at the start of the service, we are just one week away from Christmas. That's not a long time. Where has this year gone? Can I ask you, why are you excited for Advent or for Christmas this year? What is it that you are looking forward to? I know for many this is a time where we break from the normal patterns of life. We trade our busy schedules of work or study or whatever else we get up to for a time of rest and relaxation. What makes this season of Advent such good news for all? For me, it's a little bit like hitting reset. It's a time where I start clearing out my mind of all the things that have been clouding me and my sight that has been maybe clouded as well by the busyness of of life. And it's a time that I'm reminded of this great hope we have in Jesus that gives me hope despite of this busy, broken, and incredibly fast-paced world. I believe, as we've heard read this morning, our hope is deeply rooted. It is deeply rooted in the reality that we have, which is the reason that we do not lose heart in this life. And that is the big theme that we will look at today. Because we are being strengthened and renewed by this hope. And it comes from the birth of Christ as we celebrate Christmas, but it's also much more forward-looking as we await our King's return. And this is what we will learn today. We will look at this trustworthy message that we've been given. We will learn about this treasure that's been put into us, mere jars of clay. And this treasure is what gives us an unshakable faith. What are you clinging on to in this dark and broken world? You see, right up to this point in 2 Corinthians, Paul has been working hard at defending his apostleship, especially from the false prophets of his day. They accused him and his companions of preaching for themselves, for their own namesake, for their glory. Essentially, they're claiming that the message that Paul had was not trustworthy. But by God's grace, they were filled with hope and a lasting glory because of Jesus. So look with me to verses five and six. Feel free to turn to your um, news sheets or your devices or if you're uh, traditional, your Bibles. And this is what it says. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants of this Jesus. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. Do you see what's happening here? We're being transported all the way back to this creation story in Genesis 1 to say, this is the same God who spoke and made light come out of nothing into a dark world. This same God is now shining his light deep into your hearts 
so that you can know God through Christ. It's a supernatural miracle that's taking place that removes our spiritual blindness. And Paul says, through his mercy we have received this knowledge of this glory. And it's only seen in the face of Jesus. And this is why as Christians we constantly give thanks to God for we who once did not know him now can know him through Christ. But there is a difference that we do need to note. We've been, this light has been shone into our hearts so that we can know him, not just know about him. And God has given us the Bible to help us do this. In his book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer writes, our concern must be to enlarge our acquaintance with God and not just doctrine. Doctrine is still very important, but it is to know God deeply. He goes on to say, we must seek in studying God to be led to God, for this was the purpose, this revelation was given to us. And this is part of this good news that we have. But here's one of the challenges that we face, and it's the same that we see in Paul's day, is that there are still false teachers present. They come with an eloquent message, an enticing, crafty message that fails to present the word of God plainly and truthfully. Sinners are not called to repentance, and they're not told to live wholly for God as a result. Their gospel is one of material wealth and not one that points to the godly glory that we are to live for. And some completely reject this Jesus and cheapen the value of God's word by saying, we have new revelation of who this God is, and therefore blinding people by the God of this age. So I think this question is now something that we battle with. How do we not lose heart if what you and I cling to is not a trustworthy and true message? Some of you might know this of me, and Karen very kindly mentioned. I love to talk. I talk to lots of people on a daily basis, and you might often catch me having a chat with a stranger on the street, or even those people who just message you on Facebook, and you don't have them as a friend. I don't recommend that you do this. Uh, more often than not, the strangers who message me are those who are claiming to be Christians and want to share this gospel message with me, and I always delight in it. So here's what happens. Last weekend, it's great as I'm studying 2 Corinthians that this all happens at the same time. Last weekend, uh, a very lovely uh, young lady messaged me claiming that it was a sign from God to share the gospel with me and you seem like someone who is seeking God. I thought for a second, that's true. I do love God and I do love seeking him and I'm always seeking to know him more. But she tested me with a bunch of questions, like, how can one be saved? I was like, oh, that's a good question. Maybe that's one of your questions, I don't know. How do you know when and where the almighty God will return? And she said, do you know that he has come back? 
I said, ooh, okay, hold on. Um, and then her last question, do you know how to get to the kingdom of heaven? Now, at every turn, she would ask these questions. She will cherry pick verses from the Bible, which is great, not always. And then she'll couple it with some false doctrine. But she would not tell me where she's getting this from. But she kept doing this on and on through this conversation. And I think it was almost most of a Saturday and part of a Sunday. I'd just continue messaging. And at every turn, I would return her service with something from the Bible. And I'd give her some context. And I'd express, there is an importance in knowing this glory of God and it's only revealed to us in Jesus. I said, there's no other name, no other message that can save us. The only way into this kingdom is by Jesus. And I said, he has won our pardon for our sins and his message is the only light that we can cling to in this dark and broken world. She was surprised that I was quoting so much Bible. I'm like, well, I told you, I seek God. And I kept reiterating, either we can trust God and every word that he has said, or we can trust nothing at all. I said, either he saves and gives believers eternal life, calling them into his kingdom, or he cannot save. Who do you trust? This is just one example of what it looks like to be blinded by the gods of this age, by another message, a message that is not of God. Jesus, as a claim of himself in John 8, said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is great. Do you believe it? So if we come now back to 2 Corinthians, the early church Paul is showing us here is also riddled with many such false prophets, bringing a different message and accusing those who are sharing this correct and true message of the light of God shone through Jesus. And his anchor point for his listeners are to not lose heart using an example of those ministers who share this gospel. And this warning extends to all of us today. So don't let yourselves be deceived by anyone or any other message, because our God cannot be mocked, and he is not a liar. Every one of his words can be trusted, and you can be sure of this today. So do not lose heart. God has revealed his glory, and he has unveiled this gospel to us, which is why we see it. And this is a sure hope that only a Christian has. And in these verses now, Paul also gives us some much heavier words. If you paid attention, he says, this gospel is veiled to those who are perishing. And that's perishing both in the spiritual and this physical sense. Why? Because they actively reject these words. And the sad reality is that those who are deceived by another message or a distorted word, an untrue word, and a word apart from the light is that they can't have this hope. See, God's light has shone into your hearts. And we know this by the work of the Spirit 
who reveals this to us and we see this in the face of Jesus. And in these next verses, we're now gonna see that you too have this treasure that Paul and his companions had. Do you know that in you is a very special and incredibly powerful treasure? Look with me now at verses seven through to 12. It reads like this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power comes from God, and it's not from us. And then he gives us a small picture, a glimpse into what it looked like for him. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. And he goes on, We're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. You see, Paul and his companions, the apostles that took this message of this light into the world, faced immense persecution at the hand of many even their own. But Paul is pointing very confidently to two things here. So take note. The first is that you and I are just jars of clay. That means we're weak and temporary. The second is that their power to persevere in this life came from God and not themselves. So how did this treasure empower someone like Paul? Because earlier on in chapter one he says, We don't want you to be uninformed. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. And he says, so that we were despaired of life itself. Do you hear the pain in his voice as he says that? He said, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the death, uh, the dead. Do you see where his hope is anchored? As a minister of the gospel, he holds nothing back. He pours out his heart. He pours out everything he's experiencing. Nothing has been veiled even from his friends. And he says the persecution was unbearable. His daily reality was a death sentence for the work of God. And that's what God set out for him. And if you want to know a little bit more of what this looked like, he gives us more detail in chapter 11. And he says, many times he was hungry, he was naked, he was shipwrecked, he was whipped, beaten without sleep. And then he goes on, what kept him going? What kept him going was the concern that he had for the church, that they would know this true light. I have a question for you. Tell me how you might have encouraged Paul in this present circumstance to not lose heart. How would you encourage your fellow brothers and sisters sitting around you here at church when they are going through an unbearable time in their lives? Take a moment to think about it. Is it that they are strengthened by their dependence on God 
who raises the dead, or does it come from somewhere else? We here in Melbourne have a much surer hope than even the dependence we have on our daily coffee. And that's true. Paul is looking at his life and there in the frailty and the weakness of his own body, he says, it was this treasure, it was this treasure that caused them to keep going on. Even though they were being put to death for Jesus' name, they knew that his death meant life for them and life for all who believe. This is why Christ came into this world, to be known. So at any cost, this was the one message they would preach. And in this turbulent life, you also, at times, may feel these words to be true. You might feel like you're being hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, maybe even struck down. Sometimes even for being a Christian. I'm sure some of you have experienced seasons of life that have made you almost want to give up all hope in Jesus. I know I have had many of those moments in just the 28 years that I've been around. But thanks be to God for his faithfulness and his new mercies every day, Lamentations 3. You see, this light of the gospel, this is the light that shines deep in our hearts, deep in your hearts, and this is what gives us hope to keep going on. It is the power of God that is at work in these mere jars of clay, and not the jars of clay giving the message the power. So here's my encouragement to you. Look at verses seven through to 10. How is this treasure at work in you when you are going through unbearable times in life? It is that you can know that you are not crushed, you are not left to despair, you are certainly not abandoned, and you will not be destroyed. So as Paul says, do not lose heart. Here's what we need to do then. Unless this treasure takes deep root in our own hearts, it is impossible to have an unshakable faith. And this is what we'll explore in that last section as we look at verses 13 through to 18. What do you need today to keep going on? To have an unshakable faith in God, we must share in this spirit of faith with those who have gone before us and those who are sitting on the seats beside you. Paul makes a reference now then to uh, Psalm 116 verse 10, and he says, along with the psalmist who is in the midst of his own affliction, he says, I believe, therefore I spoke, and he calls on the Lord who shows him mercy and heard his cries. So let this be your confidence today. Verse 14, that the God who raised Jesus will raise you up and all believers will be raised to glory in Christ. This is our how and this is our why. Earlier we read that we are like jars of clay. If you read on to chapter five, he compares our bodies to tents. And I think all of this is just to show us and really drive the point that our bodies here on earth are but temporary. 
they are slowly wasting away. These vessels in ancient times were used to keep more important things like oil or water or food, sometimes documents. The picture that you're seeing now is an example of a discovery in 1947, and this was off the Dead Sea Scrolls. You see, while playing near a cave, a group of Bedouin shepherd, young boys, tossed a stone into the cave and heard a noise, and when they went in and looked at what was inside, they found these jars of clay. Inside, they found manuscripts of the Old Testament. And this is, this is great, because when they opened the jars, they found what was written, which was trustworthy, and this was God's word. Today, is that sometimes we forget about the treasure and we just focus on the jar of clay. We try our best to make this body last as long as it can. And so what do we do? We eat the best food, take it to the most expensive gyms, drink the best coffee, hopefully, patch it up sometimes when there are blemishes. Again, in itself, they're all good things. I'm not saying we don't do that. We should look after our bodies. But we miss the main point. It's not about the jar of clay. It's about actually the treasure that's been put inside. That is what is precious. For some of us, it might even look like this. Uh, this is a, a pot that's been patched up, and it's a beautiful Japanese process of restoring broken pottery. They use gold to mend the imperfections of what's been broken to show and give new life to a temporary object. While this makes the outer body look beautiful, remember the object still serves the same purpose. It's meant to hold something. Friends, for you and I today, it's not our temporal restoration that we should be most concerned by. It should be the eternal restoration. Our hope in this life comes from the things that we have not yet seen, and this comes from God. And we will ultimately experience this when we will be raised to life. And this is Paul's confidence, this should be yours. This treasure is not to be hidden then. It should be shared through your life even through the cracks. So here's our reason then to share the gospel. Look at verse 15. All of this is for your benefit so that grace is reaching more people. So what happens when this grace reaches more people through you is that thanksgiving will abound to the glory of God alone. And what happens then? As God's glory is revealed to another, their soul is given this treasure as they put their faith in Christ. And so we all believe and speak and hear of the same things. Now I wanna make it clear, I'm not saying that we ignore our present circumstances. We must feel the grief and the loss and the hardships that we might be called to endure in this life. We feel them and we know these things to be true because we see it here in Paul's own testimony. In this short life on earth compared to eternity, which ends not at the building but keeps going, this is our comparison that we're looking at. We too will share in death. Our outer self, Paul says, is wasting away. 
But know this, that Jesus' life is yours and he is preparing you for this eternal glory. And he goes on to say that this eternal glory will outweigh everything you could possibly endure in this life. This is why, dear Christian, you must focus on the eternal things, the unseen things. Put your trust in him. How do we share in this faith? Hebrews 11:1 one says, our confidence, our faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not yet seen. And as people of this great and powerful light, we are called to persevere in this life. We must trust in him and continue to walk in this light. And as I said this, I was reminded of a Sunday school song that I learned as a wee boy. I was not a lot shorter than I was, but it was a very simple song, but it had so much weight. I think some of you might know it. The three verses were simple. The first one, it's a great thing to praise the Lord. The second, it's a great thing to love the Lord. And the third verse, it's a great thing to serve the Lord. And I'm gonna attempt to sing, hopefully my voice will stay. And the chorus is the most beautiful part. And the actions, I see a few kids around, I might make a fool of myself, but that's all right. So we say, walk, 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 walk in the light. Walk, 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 walk in the light. Walk, 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 walk in the light. We're walking in the light of the Lord. This is the faith that we share. This is what we're here for. This is what keeps us excited about Christmas during Advent and the hope that we look forward to is that we walk in this light here and we will walk in this light eternally in Jesus. And this song is like a small reminder to me sometimes that all of us carry this ministry out in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, with our friends, and even when we suffer. And so this is our hope. Clinging to Jesus is the only way to keep going on in this dark and broken world. And so we don't lose heart because this trustworthy and beautiful truth is what continues to renew us inwardly day by day. Verse 16, it's not our wealth, it's not our achievements, it's not our strength. You, my friends, also have this precious treasure in you and it's there to help you walk in the light. It is there to help you serve, to praise, and to love our glorious God. His light has been shone into you so that you would know him, not just know about him. And this is the treasure that is at work in your lives every day. So don't lose heart. This leaves us then with two choices. What do we do with this? The first one is this, we turn to the light And this means that we receive the knowledge of God and we see Christ and we know Christ. And this does not mean that life becomes easy. Some might promise you that, but look at Paul's life, look at each other, just speak to some people in this room this morning at morning tea. Life is not easy, but God is our strength. So we're told there are troubles, but don't lose heart. Now, this is a more serious question. If Paul's words here say that we are renewed daily by God's word, how are you being renewed each day? Are you being renewed each day? 
from the inside that keeps you going? Let me get a little bit practical here. Luke 18.1 says this. It encourages us to always be in prayer so that we don't find ourselves giving up. So what do we do? We pray. We pray for one another, we pray for ourselves, we pray with people, we pray for people. Always be in prayer. Colossians 3.10 says, we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So dwell in his words, love his words, and be renewed by them every day. In the book that I mentioned earlier, Knowing God, the author stresses on this. One can know a great deal about God, yet not know him. And then he gives us the flip side of that. But those who do know God, they show a great energy for God. They show that they have great thoughts of God. They show a great boldness for God. And they have a great contentment in God. Is this true for you today? See, this is showing us that our personal lives must be involved by consuming God's word, always. We must be talking about it with everyone. We should talk about it with our friends. We must encourage each other by it and we share in this spirit of faith. We pray with and for each other. This is how we are renewed in strength. This is how we are given a confidence to persevere. So that's if we turn to the light. Alternatively, we reject this light. By rejecting it, we reject God willfully and the knowledge that he wants to give us of him. And here's the uncomfortable part that Paul says here, and I will echo. Whatever your choice, the consequences are eternal. And to put it plainly, this life on earth is not your ultimate end. Remember, maybe at, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 years here, eternity is much more. So we who say no to God in this life then face an eternal judgment far worse than what we might experience here on earth. And this is why he uses the word perishing for those who are veiled from the gospel. So no amount of mending even with the finest gold will make us last eternally. So in closing then, let not the God of this age blind you from the knowledge of God. Don't listen to their powerless words and their false promises. Trust wholly in Christ. Today is the day to turn to him and receive the knowledge of God through Jesus. So don't go on knowing, without knowing his love for you. Don't go on without knowing his forgiveness for you and his life that has been given for you. And to echo Karen's message earlier, if you have questions, come chat to me, come chat to any of the staff team. We would love to tell you more about this. We have a trustworthy message, and this is the message. It's a powerful and life-giving treasure that God has given us so that we can have an unshakable faith. So do not lose heart this Advent season. Keep going on. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you shine your light in our hearts today. 
that we may receive the knowledge of you. We thank you for Jesus Christ through whom we have a trustworthy treasure that enables us to persevere. Holy Spirit, strengthen us and give us faith today to keep trusting in our Lord. And it is in his powerful name we pray. Amen.